Chapter 19 of On the Duties of the Clergy, Book the First. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On the Duties of the Clergy by St. Ambrose. Book the First, Chapter 19. How should seemliness be represented by a speaker? Does beauty add anything to virtue? And if so, how much? Lastly, what care should we take that nothing conceited or effeminate be seen in us? It has given me pleasure to dwell somewhat at length on the various functions of modesty, for I speak to you who either can recognize the good that is in it, in your own cases, or at least do not know its loss. Fitted as it is for all ages, persons, times, and places, it at most beseems youthful and childish years. But at every age we must take care that all we do is seemly and becoming, and that the cause of our life forms one harmonious and complete whole. Wherefore Cicero thinks that a certain order ought to be observed in what is seemly. He says that this lies in beauty, order, and an appointment fitted for action. This, as he says, it is difficult to explain in words, yet it can be quite sufficiently understood. Why Cicero should have introduced beauty, I do not quite understand, though it is true he also speaks in praise of the powers of the body. We certainly do not locate virtue in the beauty of the body, though, on the other hand, we do recognize a certain grace, as when modesty is wont to cover the face with a blush of shame, and to make it more pleasing. For as a workman is wont to work better the more suitable his materials are, so modesty is more conspicuous in the comeliness of the body. Only the comeliness of the body should not be assumed. It should be natural and doubtless, unstudied rather than elaborated, not heightened by costly and glistening garments, but just clad in ordinary clothing. One must see that nothing is wanting that one's credit or necessity demands, whilst nothing must be added for the sake of splendor. The voice, too, should not be languid, nor feeble, nor womanish in its tone. Such a tone of voice as many are in the habit of using, under the idea of seeming important. It should preserve a certain quality, and rhythm, and a manly vigor, for all to do what is best suited to their character and sex, that is to attain to beauty of life. This is the best order for movements. This is the employment fitted for every action. But as I cannot approve of a soft or weak tone of voice, or an effeminate gesture of the body, so also I cannot approve of what is boorish and rustic. Let us follow nature. The imitation of her provides us with a principle of training, and gives us a pattern of virtue. End of chapter 19 Book the First